Good morning. Did you know that the most important thing about you is that God loves you? He loved you to the cross and back. And part of his great love is that he gives you a life that matters. You never have to wonder, do I matter? Do I count? You are number one in God's book. And he gives you opportunities every day to live a life beyond yourself. I like to call it a legacy life. This is Sue Donaldson. As you listen today, ask God, show me how to spend today investing in people and your word, because both last forever. There's no better way to live. Hi, today we're going to be talking about a deeper faith again. I first talked about it in episode 185, I believe, and I ended with a reference to the story of when Peter got out of the boat, Jesus called him all the disciples in the boat, Jesus, uh, Peter saw Jesus and, and uh, he called out, Lord, if it's you command me to come to you on the water. And so he did. I can never get tired of that story. I'm, I feel like I'm a little bit like Peter because I have a big mouth and I get myself in trouble and I can be bold on occasion, but I'm not sure I would have stepped out of the boat. Uh, Maybe if I were so enthralled with Jesus being there in person, though, I wasn't sure he knew it was him because he said, if it's you. Um, But anyway, I am no Peter, let's put it that way. So I love this story because I want to be encouraged in my faith. I don't think we can ever get tired of talking about faith because we are weak people. And I think I can say weak are we, we and weak in the same sentence because uh, well, Psalm 103 is a favorite one that comes to mind that we remember that we are but dust. I think most of the world's problems would be mitigated, um, not altogether solved, but at least mitigated if we had an accurate view of God as much as our feeble minds could handle and an accurate view of ourselves. That's probably a little bit more important, though maybe they're equally so, because if we only think about how terrible we are and how weak we are, uh, we can't live with hope. And God is our hope. And if we only think about how uh, great God is, and then we start to think we're kind of great too, we get in trouble. So an accurate view of God, his grandness, all his uh, attributes that we don't understand, we can define them on paper, we don't completely comprehend them, which is okay. If we completely understood God, we would be God. So I think that's a comfort. And then if we have an accurate view of ourselves, twofold, that we need him desperately and that we are his children when we come to him by faith, which is what we're talking about today is by faith. We come to him by faith and then we don't need to grouse about ourselves. I call it navel gazing. When, I, when I'm when i looking at myself, I'm looking down at my navel in my heart and my spirit and I'm thinking, wow, I'm just worthless. I'm terrible. And Satan uses that because then if we feel that way, then he... He makes me not want to use my gifts that he's given me. You know, you have gifts too. He's given you gifts as soon as you become a part of his family. And if you have a question about that, uh, email me, sue at welcomeheart.com. We can start a little conversation. Maybe I should do a podcast on it. Uh, Not that I'm the most um, knowledgeable on it. I just know that God gives us gifts. Why? To strengthen the body of Christ so that we can serve one another. And he also gives us gifts because he's our dad. He's our father. And that's what a good father does. It says that in scripture, a good father knows how to give good gifts to his children. And so he's giving you and I good gifts 
to serve one another and also gives us joy. If if you are doing something that you think is God-given and you hate it, I don't think it's God-given. I think you might want to check yourself and reevaluate and ask some friends and say, what do you think I, that my spiritual gifts are? But it all has to do with faith. And a great uh, book title by Eugene Peterson that I mentioned in the last podcast on faith, uh, the title is A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. It's not a blind faith because we're looking at Jesus. We're going in the same direction. We're pleasing God uh, with his strength. We can't even please him. We can't even have faith without him. So to walk in dependence, not independent, walk independence on God is the best way we can live every day. So no matter how weak I'm feeling, or I just can't even get out of bed, um, maybe that's just a metaphor for not wanting to walk anywhere without leaning on him totally. Um, the disciples were in a boat, as you recall. And when Peter saw Jesus, he called out, Lord, if it's you, if it's you, see, there's that little niggling doubt, command me to come to you on the water. And so he said, come. Uh, now, I consider that in the category of big faith. First, Peter checked to see if it were Jesus. It's not worth stepping out on faith if it's not God himself you're obeying, is it? And that's why we have counselors and pastors and the Word of God and the Holy Spirit to help us know. Um, so Peter checked. He was wise. I want to be wise, don't you? Jesus said, come, it's me. And out he came. If Peter had seen Christ and heard his command to come, and then didn't come, he would have never experienced God's power firsthand. Think about that. If he had heard his command to come, and then didn't, he would have never experienced God's power firsthand. Boy, that's worth it, stepping out of the boat every single time. We have to step out of the boat to know God, to know God in his power. And that uh, may sound frightening, but it's not, because it's God who is leading us. And I think that I become less frightened with baby steps. And maybe you do too, where you just dip your big toe or your little toe into the water and then come. And Graham Lotz said, when it comes to experiencing God, not just knowing about him, I have to choose him at all costs. Do you hear that? At all costs. I have to be willing to step out of the boat at all costs in order to discover firsthand his power enabling me to walk on the water. Listeners, we miss out on a chance to know God experientially if we stay in the boat after he's told us to come. Another good definition of faith is doing what God says and trusting him with the results. Now, that sounds good on paper. It can be hard in real life. Sometimes it can be hard to trust God to work through another person, or perhaps to trust God to work in spite of another person. You know, it's people who are complicated. I was in a two-person plane, you know, one of those small ones, flying from Los Angeles Airport to Catalina Island with the director, the then director of Wycliffe Bible Translators. He was recruiting me for a job. He went to great lengths. Well, he had to practice, or actually he said he had to get some of his flying hours in to keep his pilot's license. And so he said, hey, you want to come with me to um, Catalina Airport and we'll have buffalo burgers on him. <laughs> and so he was recruiting me for a job with Wycliffe Bible Translators, which is a missionary organization 
as a full-time missionary. Now, I had been part-time before, part-time meaning I I joined Wycliffe before for only two years. You know, it's kind of easier. It's a lot easier to say to God, I will do this when the end cap is clear. It's the end of two years. And it's okay because you learn a lot in those two years and maybe that's all God wants you to do. Two years. And uh, that can be very smart and wise. So I joined them before as a short-term assistant for two years. But this time, this time I was looking for something bigger and better than what I was doing. And I had asked God to lead me. And then I get this phone call from the director and he says, hey, you want to fly with me to Catalina Island next week? So I had a week to think about it, but I said yes right away. And then I asked for the time off my job. And uh, when he was talking to me up in the air, we were, of course, practically yelling over the noise of the plane. We had headphones on just like I do right now. And he asked me right over the ocean to join Wycliffe as a career member. That meant no end in sight. And this is what I said to him or yelled back to him, but I would have to raise support. For those of you who don't know, most missionaries don't make a salary. They are working for God full time uh, based on people and churches giving them amounts of money every month. So it's really faith-based. You're you're hoping the church remembers. You're hoping your friends remember. I've had friends when I joined both times who said, oops, we forgot to give. So now we're going to buy you a set of tires for your car. Well, that was fine. <laughs> it was great how God used people's forgetfulness. Anyway, it was, I, I said to him, I would have to raise support. And then I said, I still want to get my master's degree. And I don't think I had started at that point. And then I had a few other buts. And he said, or he yelled in response without missing a beat. I mean, if you knew Bernie May, he's such a wonderful, godly man and such a great smile and great dimples, as I recall. And this is what he said to me without missing a beat. Sue, you have enough faith for that. And I laughed. <laughs> I said, he didn't know me that well. I said, how did he know I had enough faith for that? He didn't. He just expected I would. It kind of makes me cry. It's kind of wonderful when um, more godly people than yourself who have lived on faith for years have that kind of um, trust in you as a person. Though he probably wasn't trusting me so much as he just wanted me in this position, but it still was pretty funny and fun and great and confidence building to have him say that to me. Now, I was 31 years old. I should have had enough faith. I had come to know Christ practically in the choir loft. I was raised that way. But what I said to him was, could you give me five minutes or so to make sure I do have that faith? And he laughed. The next day, yes, I made it back safely after those buffalo burgers, which taste a lot like hamburgers. Uh, the next day, I called my brother, who was a missionary at the time, Hyatt, in Papua New Guinea, which is tricky because of the time zone and then because of the time, um, excuse me, because of the cost. And um, so I told him the story and I told him of Bernie's offer for, of a job that I would have to raise support for. And I said to him, Hyatt, I would have to raise support again. Uh, Hyatt, I may never get married. 
I knew a lot of single missionaries, women. And he said, that's right. You may not. You have enough faith for that. (laughs) I thought, were these two talking? I didn't think they'd had time to communicate that fast between those two experiences. I thought, how did he know? He did know me a lot better. But how did he know? I didn't think I had enough faith for that. That's why I was saying it. I was questioning myself. I was questioning my faith. I And I guess when I question my faith, I'm questioning God, which is tricky. You don't want to question God. You either believe him or you don't, right? Thankfully, he knows we can be very um, babyish in our steps of faith sometimes, and we take small steps. The more steps we take, the stronger our faith grows. So that's why it's so great. To experience God, as Anne Gramlott said, by stepping out of the boat. Now, I didn't know if I had enough faith, but this is what I knew. I knew God wanted me to say yes, to get out of the boat. So he didn't tell me the whole, you know, next four years. He didn't even tell me the next two months. He just told me that day to say yes, to do what he wanted me to do, to get out of the boat, even when I didn't know what that was going to mean. Is that what's happening to any of you today? To get out of the boat, even though you don't know what that is going to mean. I read uh, recently in Jesus Calling, where she says, uh, well, she's saying in, as if God was saying to us, you know, I give you these uh, 24 hours for a reason. It's called a boundary. You as a human being can only handle a day. And yet we, so silly, we try to handle uh, the next day and the day after that and the day after that in our minds. And so, of course, we can't sleep. Or we try to handle our past, maybe the last 30 years, in our minds. And God is saying, that's done. It's covered by the blood, all of your mistakes, um, all the harm done to you and all the harm you have done to others. That's covered by the cross. You are meant to live today, in today. That is a boundary that we need. And so we need to live in the present, having faith for this day. So if you're feeling challenged right now with your future or burdened with your past, ask the Lord to help you. And I'm doing the same today. I did it in my quiet time as I thought about what uh, these words were to Lean on God for strength for today, for these 24 hours. And I had a to-do list, and and I was starting with my favorite thing on my to-do list, which was, number one, relate well with God, and number two, everything else. And this was one of the things that has been on my to-do list, was to make this podcast. Actually, it's been on my to-do list for about three weeks. So I'm finally getting to it. But I started with, number one, relate well with God, because I needed strength to rely on him just for this day and not worry about tomorrow. Now, tomorrow is a Tuesday. I have plenty on my list for tomorrow, but I'm not going to worry about it right now because I am relying on God for this day, this first step out of the boat for all the things that he wants me to get done today, not necessarily what I think I need to get done. You see, at age 15, way back when, I guess that was a long time ago, 55 years ago or so, God showed me a wonderful scripture um, from his great grace, 2 Corinthians 5.15. Now, at 15, I wasn't reading 2 Corinthians very often. It was one of those, Lord, give me a verse. I am um, I'm just going to open the Bible and see what you bring to me. See, I was very spiritually mature. Not. 
But what a great verse. And it always has bothered me that my life verse starts in the middle of a sentence, but oh, well, just because I was an English teacher, but it's 2 Corinthians 5.15. And if you don't know it and you haven't read it recently, let me read it for you. And he died for all, meaning Jesus, that those who live, that's us, should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Now, why did that hit me so much? It was a matter of logic. This was God's common sense, which leads to an uncommon faith. I was not, and not really continues to not be, a woman of logic. But this was common sense. Christ gave all, and he died for all. That's how the verse started. He died for me. So, so the logical response so all that was left for me to do was to do the same, to no longer live for myself. It was a formula. It was a mathematical formula. And, and sure, I passed algebra but, and barely passed geometry. But here was something really calling to my mind. My mind, we love God with all our minds, and my heart. He died for all. Logically, then, my response is to live no longer for myself. It was a matter of obedience. It was a matter of logic. And it gave me purpose from age 15 on. We don't know our future from moment to moment. It's a matter of faith. If you think you know your future, you are fooling yourself. We make plans, yes, but we don't really know, do we? And that's not a sense of worry, but it often is. In what area of your life is God asking you to take him at his word, to step out of the boat, to obey at all costs, to yourself, cost to yourself, to your self-reliance, maybe to your reputation for common sense? I know people were worried about me when I said I'm going to join Wycliffe full time. It didn't make a lot of sense to some that I left a secure teaching job at the time and joined a mission group. Guess what? God is not concerned with our common sense evaluation of his plans for our lives. He's just concerned with our obedience. He knows it could save a life, starting with our own. To step out on faith may feel like we're stepping off of a cliff, but once you step out, you find out it's only a curb because God is there to break your fall. Pity the person who has sometimes been me who never takes that step to find that out. Step out, he says, and you will find I am all you need. Wow. If you're doing that today, and I would love to hear what happens next. You may not even know the repercussions the whole time that you're still alive here on earth. Obedience and joy in the obedience is so great. Plus, we get to know God better, and then we trust him more for the next time. For some, faith might mean closing your mouth and praying only when you really, really, really want to say something because that person really, really, really needs to hear it. Um, extroverts are notorious for that. Uh, mothers are notorious for that. Hudson Taylor said this. Oh my gosh, this is such a great line. Hudson Taylor, 
He said this, learn to move men by God through prayer alone. I'll say it again. Learn to move men by God through prayer alone. That's a tough one, especially for a woman, especially for an extrovert, especially for a redheaded extrovert. Oh my goodness. Faith may mean closing your mouth and faith may mean opening your mouth. Paul asked his friends in Colossians 4.3, pray that I talk freely of the mystery of Christ, that God would open the door. Here, this is Paul asking his friends in Colossians 4.3 for prayer that he would speak freely about God. Didn't he already have a license for speaking boldly and freely about God? But he felt that need to ask for prayer from his friends. A couple months ago, our pastor was um, speaking a little bit about evangelism, which he doesn't talk about that often, about sharing Christ, looking for ways to share Jesus and the gospel truth to help people come to know him. And uh, that week after hearing this sermon, I was getting my teeth cleaned. And you know, it's kind of difficult to have uh, a valid ongoing conversation with your dental hygienist. Well, for obvious reasons, she might ask you a question and then you have to actually move your mouth. So she has to take her hand out and she has to stop what she's doing. So there can be, there can be long pauses in the conversation. I just love my dental hygienist. I have told her it's like getting a gum massage. She is that good. But, uh, and I like her and we've built up a relationship sort of the last couple of years um, so I was praying about what to say. So I did say to her, uh, and so she had to take her hand out of my mouth. I said, do you, um, or your husband have any faith background? I had heard that from another friend, Molly Zagrani had said that to a neighbor of mine. I thought that's such a, um, it's bold, but it's gentle and it's a way to get the conversation going. And my dear dental hygienist answered right away. She said, you know, ne neither one of us do. So I didn't really have to say anything because she was working away. And so that made it less awkward, at least for me. And so I didn't have to say, oh, or I didn't have to say anything. I didn't have to grunt. And she said, but, so she continued the conversation. This is the Lord working, by the way. This is an answer to Paul's prayer in Colossians 4.3. Pray that I talk freely. Well, I couldn't talk too freely because of the dental hygienist work doing, but you know what I'm saying. Of the mystery of Christ, that God would open the door. She said, but we have very good friends where it's very important to them. I said, really? And where do they go to church? Well, she wasn't sure. But she cared enough about answering to finally figure it out. She goes, oh, they, they go to Grace Church. And I said, oh, that's where I go to church. What are their names? She told me their names. And I said, oh, I know her, which is not all that easy because we have a big church and I do know her because I was in, she was in my small group Bible study. And I said, well, how do you know it's important to them? Oh, well, because they can't do things with us on certain nights because they have meetings like growth groups. And I said, oh, that's great. And you know what? That's as far as the conversation went. But I did go and talk to my friend. And I said, you know, 
uh, we have a mutual friend and she respects your faith. And I just wanted you to know, um, I just wanted you to know that you're making a difference in their lives. And it is also, um, she's also remodeling. So that was another thing where I said, you need to come over and see our remodel pictures and our ongoing remodel. <laughs> so pray that, you know, if that's where God's, God is leading all of us. Don't say if God leads all of us to share the gospel, how we do it sometimes by keeping our mouths closed and sometimes by speaking freely of the mystery of Christ, that God would open the door. You know when God is speaking to you. And if you're not sure, like Peter, you can say, is that you, Lord? And if it is, then it, it is best to get out of the boat. God is calling for complete obedience, for a complete faith. I don't think it's always for the work that we do that we are called to do the work. It's not because uh, we're so great or that these things would not get done without our help. Not at all. It's because we get a stronger faith when we do it. Faith is also port portrayed by obedience, by living in the unseen, I like to say. In 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 4, Paul is describing trials and sufferings that they've been going through as believers. And we see here that he is not immune from discouragement. I have been discouraged lately. Lots going on here. And um, it's good to read these passages to find out that the heroes of the faith, like Paul, uh, also were not immune from discouragement. People had let him down. Has someone let you down lately? Uh, the work was hard. Have you been working hard for Christ with seeing no results lately? Uh, he has suffered physically. Maybe you're not sleeping. And emotionally, maybe you've been hurt. Your feelings have been hurt. He wrote in verse 16, 2 Corinthians 4, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Now, there are many reasons for trials and sufferings. One reason we have to go through trials and sufferings is so that God can demonstrate his power through a clay pot. Another is to keep us from pride. One reason Paul went through suffering was to show us how to do it. He tells us how in this passage, you live for the unseen and not the seen. That is the life of faith. Verse 18, so we fix our eyes or we look not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And that's what this whole podcast idea is about. We live a legacy of living for what is eternal, and that is unseen. When I read that, I said, that's it. That's the life of faith. And how do I apply it? Well, the next chapter, he says we are to walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by something we really can't see. It's almost as if, as if we're blind. If we were blind, we would live more in reality. They say that people who have uh, less sight have heightened senses. Their other senses are heightened, that they depend on the other senses more. I don't want to live blind or with less sight. But I really don't want to live with worry about something that I see when God is working in the unseen, don't you? The bottom line is this, that which can't be seen is most worthy of our attention. I'll say that again, that which can't be seen is most worthy of our attention. What is getting your attention today? 
Is it something that you can have faith about that God is working? Or is it something that you see and you're worried sick about it? I can relate to these things. God, our Paul gives us a very clear explanation for why that is true. One is temporal, one is eternal. It's obvious to Paul, it's obvious to God, and it needs to become more obvious to me. I need to be living for and in the eternal. Now, there's a great story about how Wycliffe Bible Translators got started. The founder uh, was named Cameron Townsend. And he and his wife lived in a house made of corn cobs in Mexico when he was living in Mexico. This is early on. And someone, and he was a, a translator of um, Indian languages. And so the Mexican government appreciated what he was doing because he was linguistically putting into an alphabet that which had not had an alphabet before. So the Mexican government was aware of Cameron Townsend and his wife's work, and they offered him $2,000, I'm not sure when this was, maybe back in the 40s, to build a proper home. Now, if someone gave me, when this day would be maybe $2 million or $200,000, depending on where you live, to build a proper home, I would see that as God's gift to me and start buying furniture. Mark would start you know, drawing plans, going to Home Depot every other day. But this is what Cameron Townsend and his wife said. Can we give it to 10 homeless Indian families so that they can have homes? That's what they said. They lived in the unseen. Again, I must be tired. That made me cry again. They lived in the unseen, building treasures for eternity. Now, does that mean you're supposed to turn down every monetary gift that someone gives you? No, it doesn't. But that's how they were led. They were building treasures for eternity. Showing the practical love of Christ for the sake of the building of the kingdom of God. While mulling this idea over down Foothill Boulevard one day, I started trying, well, I was trying to jot down some ideas because I was driving and I shouldn't have been writing, but I was trying to jot down some ideas in the areas of the unseen that we can set our mark on or to fix our attention on. So that will give us joy and faith. While we're stuck here, we are stuck in the scene. I mean, God doesn't expect us to be able to have the x-ray vision that he has, but he expects us to live by faith and to set our eyes on things above. Here are some things I thought of. Number one, God is doing his work in our lives and others, even when we can't see it. That gives me joy and faith and peace. Number two, our work for him is not in vain. 1 Corinthians 15 uh, 58, be steadfast, abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Number three, that all things are working together for good who are called according to his purpose. Romans 8, 28, you probably know that one. I'm always encouraged when I hear that. Number four, that God is able to do abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Ephesians 3, 20. Number five, that he who began a good work in us will complete it. He, meaning God, the Holy Spirit, he has begun a good work in you and I, and he is the one who will complete it. That's Philippians 1, 6. Notice these are all from scripture. That's where we go to work for things that are eternal. Number six, that where there is weeping now will turn to joy and laughter. 
Luke 6, 21 and 7. We'll do 7 because that's the perfect number. That nothing can separate me from the love of God. Nothing. Romans 8, 39. I'll write these out in show notes in case you're driving and you're not supposed to be taking notes. I'm sure you could think of more. I would love to hear 8, 9, 10, 11, and 12 from you. It is a great exercise. It moves one from misery to joy. It moves one from doubt to faith. It moves one from knowing about God to knowing God personally. What ways is God leading you in faith today? I would love to hear your story. Drop me an email, sue at welcomeheart.com. What are you trusting him for that you can't see yet? That is living a legacy life. Thanks so much for joining me. Until can't next time, you. think about your legacy, the one God has called you to live, all for heaven's sake. I would love to speak at your next Christian Women's event. See my keynotes and retreat series, as well as the show notes from today's broadcast at welcomeheart.com. Thanks for coming. You're always welcome here.